Hi, this is Liz Tinkham, and welcome to Third Act, a podcast about people embracing the third act of their lives with a new sense of purpose and direction. The third act begins when your script ends, but your show's not finished. Today, I talk with fellow Buckeye and Accenture alum, Jerry Palmer, the extreme event adventure, a bit of a tongue twister. I first met Jerry on FaceTime while he was walking along the Arizona-New Mexico border on his way to run walk across the United States. Amazingly, he has just completed that run walk, starting in Huntington Beach, dipping his toes in the Pacific Ocean, and finishing in Virginia Beach, dipping his toes in the Atlantic Ocean. Jerry is an extreme event adventurer, having completed dozens of Ironmans, runs, swims, and bike rides, one more grueling than the next. But he wasn't always this way. When he left Accenture for the first time at age 41, and more on that story, he was out of shape, divorced, and without friends. He decided to train for an Ironman, not anticipating that it would take up extreme events as a full-time hobby. Along the way, he met Melissa, his wife, and expedition leader, who is a large part of his success. On today's show, he talks about his journey from the Ohio State University to Accenture and recently across the United States. His story about that trip and what he learned about America on the run walk is absolutely fascinating, particularly against the backdrop of COVID and the perceived divisiveness in this country. Settle in because Jerry's third act is one terrific story. Hi, Jerry. Welcome to Third Act. It's great to have you. Hi, Liz. Nice to talk to you. Nice to see you earlier. So are you recovered? Uh, I, I, you know, I, I think so. I, it's, it's kind of tough to tell, you know, I, <laughs> I mean, you know, we're old enough now that we always kind of have aches and pains and I, I, you know, so I sort of, I'm just kind of, you know, trying to measure it from, from that baseline. And, you know, I, I kind of feel like I normally feel so, uh, I guess I, I guess I'm recovered. Yeah. So in case in case our listeners missed it in the opening, you just completed a run slash walk from Huntington Beach to Virginia Beach, a short distance of three thousand and thirty two miles with your wife and dogs <laughs> support team. So and what day did you finish that? Uh, I finished on July 12th. So four weeks ago. Yeah. Four, four weeks ago today, which seems crazy. I mean, it seems like we just we just finished. But, you know, it's been a month already. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, let's go ahead and get into and get onto your sort of first act, a little bit of background, your fellow Buckeye. Yay. Go Bucks. Yes. So first question and likelihood of Ohio State winning the national championship this year. Uh, 100%. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I I mean, I think that the nice thing about being an Ohio State fan is that uh, we are eternal optimists. So we, uh, we always think we will win the national championship until we don't. So, <laughs> well, we have good reason to think that because we've won in the past, but a bit of a dis- uh, digression there. So you're an industrial and systems engineer from Ohio State by training. And what did you think you would do with that degree when you got out of school? Uh, well, I, I mean, that, that's a that's a good question. You know, I, I think, you know, I originally wanted to be a lawyer or a, uh, a writer of, of all things, uh, interestingly enough. But uh, my, my father told me I could be anything I wanted to be as long as I got an engineering degree. <laughs> so Well, there you go. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I think like like any, uh, you know, like any any kid that's uh, at school for for engineering. I mean, I, I kind of s- expected that I would uh, graduate and go get a job as a plant manager or something. And 
kind of do that for 40 or 50 years and, and then retire. And, and that's kind of, kind of how quite it happened. No, it, it's uh, it turned out a little, little bit different than that. So, so interestingly, you told me we were prepping, you weren't the greatest of students. And a lot of people I interview are like super like straight A's, straight A's, and they, you know, achieve at work. But you ended up working for what was then Arthur Anderson slash Anderson Consulting Accenture. So how did you get a job if your grades weren't that great? I've had just a lot of good luck with timing in in the course of my professional life. And and this was one example. I you know, this was this was in the late eighties, early nineties. You know, Anderson Consulting was not really well known. You know, the, it, it wasn't the this sort of you know digital world that we live in now. Nobody had cell phones. Nobody had had laptop computers, and and so no one really knew who Anderson Consulting was. And uh, you know, the, I guess the good thing or the fortunate thing about being a a solid B student was all the A students had gotten the internships uh, in the in the manufacturing facilities. You know, General Motor and Frito Lay and and some of these other places. So uh, what was kind of left over was consulting type work. And I had a friend who, uh, a guy named Dave McAllister, who was working at Anderson at the time. And he said, you know, if you haven't figured out what you're going to do with the summer, uh, you know, I, I think we're hiring interns. You ought to come in and talk to, you know, one of the managers or something. And so I went and interviewed with a guy named Blake Sherry. And, uh, and Blake, you know, Blake was kind of lamenting the fact that their softball team didn't have enough people. They didn't, couldn't, couldn't field a team for the summer. And, and, and Blake was the coach. And, and, and I said, well, I said, you know, Blake, I, I have a background in playing uh, all kinds of sports, including baseball and, and the like. And, and he said, well, he said, you know, he said, you could play for us this summer, but you'd, you'd have to work here. And I said, well, okay, I, I guess I could work here. And, uh, and and that's how it started. I mean, that's oh literally gosh. how I got my my job. <laughs> I hope at, you played well for that team that summer. Yeah, I mean, I don't really remember much about the you know the actual playing, but I you know that was how I got started. And back then, as long as you didn't really screw up, they offered you a a full time job, full time position at the end of the summer. And so uh, so they offered me a full time position, and I took it. And that was the summer of 1990, and I started for real in summer '91. Yeah. And you said that you it, you kind of caught fire when you started working for Anderson Consulting and really got going and you got promoted early, et cetera. And you were a partner very early, but you ended up leaving at 41. So sort of what happened there? Well, you know, I it's uh, I, I mean, I, I don't need to tell you that that is a uh, <laughs> that is a, that is a tough grind. And right. As a um, consultant, for you sure. Know, 2009 was a uh, was a really rough year. I mean, I, I think that was the, you know, what we kind of now refer to as the financial crisis and the financial meltdown. And, and there was uh, a restructuring it at uh, what was then Accenture and, and I didn't make the cut. And I, I wasn't totally surprised. You know, I, I think the, the, the really kind of funny thing, you know, if I, I think about, about that relative to how you know, how, how things operate today, you know, when you're, uh, when you're a, a partner and I, I guess I'd been a partner then for nine years or, or something, they, they basically have about a 15 minute conversation with you. They give you a three inch thick binder of things you can and cannot do. 
they give you a stack of cash <laughs> yeah. and send you out the door. And, <laughs> and good and luck with that, right? Yeah. And that's, it was as simple as that. So, uh, so that was kind of the end of the, uh, the second act, if you will, the, or the first ending of the second act. Yeah. But so you said you had a great financial package, but you told me you had no friends, were divorced, out of shape. So what did you think you would do at that point? Well, you know, I, I, what I did was uh, a bunch of us went to the Bahamas and stayed with another partner for a while that had retired okay. a few years <laughs> earlier. But, but quite, uh, quite frankly, I had no idea what I was going to do. It, it was a really, really rough time for me. I mean, I kind of yeah. make light of it now, but you know, it was, uh, it was all I ever did and it was all I ever knew. And, you know, my social life was geared around kind of my work friends and, and work things. And so I, I was, I was pretty, pretty lost. And, uh, so I, you know, I, uh, uh but at the same time, you know, I, I saw it as an opportunity, you know, I, I can recall kind of being in my home in Houston and, and there's boxes that were still packed from, you know, three moves before, you know, mm-hmm. when, when I lived in Columbus, Ohio, which, which had been 10 years before. And so I thought, you know, I'm really going to try to, you know, kind of make the best out of this thing and, and start living, you know, living my, my life a little bit more fully and broadly. And so I thought, well, you know, what, what is something I could do to, uh, uh, to keep myself occupied, uh, you know, create a schedule uh, that I can kind of keep to and, and something to keep me motivated. And, and I had been, you know, I'd been active uh, probably for, you know, at least for 2009. So I wasn't, you know, just kind of coming off the, the couch completely, but uh, I, I decided I was going to do uh, an Ironman. So I cited an Ironman triathlon, which is a full, a full one or a partial one. I mean, what was your first I decided to do a full one, which is a two and a half mile swim yeah. and a 112 mile bike. And then you run a marathon. Um, I hadn't, you know, I hadn't done, I hadn't even done a half of one of those when I actually, when I signed up for the full one, but that's always kind of been my thing. I mean, I, I like to, uh, to, to kind of put a big goal out there and then figure out how to work, work my way towards it. So 2009, I signed up for Ironman Florida, which would be in the fall of 2010. And, uh, uh, and I got to work on, uh, on getting prepared. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm laughing because, you know, when I retired, I thought I got to up my fitness game as well. So I went, started going to soul cycle for three days a week. Now I didn't like putting a goal out there to do a 112 mile bike ride and the two mile swim and the 26 mile run all in the same day. It's incredible. And it kind of got you launched right into doing sort of extreme events. Did you do more subsequent to that Ironman? Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I was, uh, I really enjoyed that, you know, just, just out of pure luck, I, I ended up getting a, a a slot into the Ironman world championship in 2011 in Kona, Hawaii, which, which you can't get into without qualifying, which happened to be one of the very first dates I went on with my wife. I took her to Hawaii to, uh, to go watch me do the Ironman. So she kind of knows you as the extreme adventurer from day one. Melissa is your wife, correct? Yeah, Melissa. So I, you know, we met in late in 2010. I had just done Ironman Florida. We were actually introduced by one of my, uh, one of our former partners 
from the Accenture days and uh, meaning you and me, Liz, not mm-hmm. Melissa and I. Yeah, I got it. And so, yeah, I mean, she never really knew me as a, as a business guy. She always knew me as a guy who wore t-shirts and, and was always kind of busy with exercise and doing races and other things. So, so yeah, that was one of our first big dates was, uh, was in Hawaii. That's incredible. So, but your third act kind of ends or round one of the third act ends because you end up going back to Accenture, but this time in China, how did that come about? And why did you decide to go back to Accenture at that point? This is one of these things. I'm, I'm kind of glad I did it, but I, when I look back, I almost wish, you know, except for the China experience, I, I, I kind of almost wish I hadn't done it. You know, it's, uh, uh, I, I, I know now that I should have, should have left it alone, but anyway, at the time, Accenture was looking to grow in uh, the emerging markets, China mm-hmm. being one of them. Uh, I had a reputation of being someone who could who could develop business and build relationships. And so I got a call one day and, and was asked, are you interested in coming back? And I said, well, no, not really. Why? What's going on? And uh, they said, well, we have an opportunity for you in China that we'd like you to consider. And uh, so, you know, Melissa and I were dating at the time and I said, uh, I said, I've got a call today about, about maybe going and working in China. And I could kind of see the look on her face about, well, you know, what is the, the what does this mean <laughs> sort of look? Right. And I said, but, uh, you know, if I'm going to do this, we ought to get married and, and, uh, and that way it's kind of legit and official. And so, uh, I think maybe the next week or something, we flew to Maine so I could meet her parents. And uh, uh, like two weeks later, we were married at the Justice Oh my piece. gosh, that's and, one way to propose. Yeah, and then like, you know, and then four months later, we're living in Shanghai. And and she's starting to see me in suits and, and work clothes for the first time. Uh, <laughs> so after my gig at Microsoft was done, my last sort of stint for Accenture, I got asked to go to Asia. And they're like, hey, you want one more round? Like, and, and of course, at that point, I'm 55 or 54. And so it would have been a very, not ceremonial, but a great gig, right? Like probably put up somewhere really nice and it would have been fun. And I would, Asia, and I remember and my dear husband who has been to Chicago and New Jersey and, and to Seattle with me, moved around. I said, well, what would you think about Singapore, Hong Kong? And he's like, yeah, you're you're going to be going with your next husband on that round. So <laughs> that was the end of that. Yeah, I can. <laughs> That's un- where he drew the line. I'm not going to Asia. So, um, so what? I mean, are you are you able to continue with your extreme events over in China, or what happens over there? Yeah, well, you know, I was, I, I, I still did a bunch of Ironmans. Uh, I, you know, I, I raced all over Asia. And literally all over Australia, Nepal, Bhutan, Indonesia, Malaysia, Taiwan, Bahrain. I mean, we were everywhere. And I I think for us, it uh, it 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 really ignited sort of this adventurous spirit. And, And we were doing this all together. But for me, you know, what what also was happening was I was falling into back into all these bad habits that I had developed you know, 20 years of, of being on the road, which was, you know, not sleeping enough, eating too much, drinking too much, not taking care of myself. And so it, 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 it had a doubly bad effect because I was doing all these things and I was 
and I was doing these events, these extreme events when I really, mm-hmm. you know, wasn't in the sort of shape that I should have been in to do them. And so, so by the, by the time we got back to the United States and at, you know, kind of toward the end of 2015, uh, I, I, I knew it was time to take, uh, to make a more, uh, uh, kind of lasting change. And, and that was uh, at the point that I, that I resigned from Accenture for, uh, uh, for the last time. <laughs> oh, right. For the second time. So second time, second time you're done. So is that, I mean, uh, now at that point, are, what are you thinking you're going to do? Just extreme events or are you in a thinking you're retired? I mean, what was, where was your head and, and with Melissa at that point? Yeah, I had actually started, this was probably early 2016. I mean, I was still, you know, getting used to being back in the U S and reconnecting and, and I was still, you know, kind of, kind of meddling with, with Iron Man and, and doing other things. But I, I just, I, I just really hadn't kind of picked up the steam again. And, uh, I was doing a little bit of work in Silicon Valley with a startup in the food, uh, safety transparency space. And, and I was just, I was just not happy. And Melissa came to me and this will be a theme sort of throughout this discussion. I mean, she's, she's the one who, who really kind of is able or has been able to recognize when, you know, when I need a change, when I need to really get, get refocused on, on, on things that are going to make me happy. And, and she came to me and she said, listen, I know you're not happy with what you're doing. This startup thing is, is a mess. It just is another version of <laughs> us being in China. She said, I, you know, I'd, I'd really like you to take time off and I don't care if you ever work again. Um, I just want you to be happy. And, and I know if you, if you do the things that you, that you enjoy doing, which are these athletic events and that's all you want to do and that's what you want to focus on, then, you know, I'm totally supportive of that. And she said, I just, I just want you to, to, to treat it like you would treat, uh, you know, your job or anything. And, and that was, uh, you know, that was sometime in 2016. I had, I had already arranged to do a race in Alaska, uh, yeah. a, an event called Alaska Man, which was an Ironman <laughs> distance race uh, that involved, you know, a three-mile swim in 48-degree water oh in Resurrection Bay and some other things that I was not in any kind of shape to do. And uh, so I got busy. And... Uh, Big from you know I think the beginning of 2017 until I did that race, uh, which was in July of 2017. You know six seven months I you know I lost about 50 pounds. I I got in incredible shape. I had uh, you know all the kind of the the physical markers that would tell you that that you need to make changes in your diet and other things had all had all improved and. And I was kind of on my way. And uh, from 2017 to today, you know, I, I think, you know, I finished about 17 Ironmans, you know, many, oh many of this uh, extreme variety, you know, Patagonia, Iceland, Sweden, Northwest Scotland. I've done a bunch of ultra marathons, uh, 500K across Tennessee, uh, a 200K across uh, Florida and, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, just momentum and just kind of keeping after it. Driven, driven, goal, goal based. So how do you and Melissa decide 
to do this walk slash run across the United States? When does it come up? And like, how? I mean, take me through like, I can't even imagine like, are you laying in bed? Like, hey, what about going from A to B? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's, we actually, while we were out on this journey, we tried to recall all the specifics of what led up to it because we sort of found ourselves out on the road thinking, how did we get here? You know, how, how did this come to be? And, and the, the way the story goes, you know, this, this wasn't something that I did because I was trying to w- raise awareness of any, you know, to any cause. Uh, and, and, you know, I, it wasn't because, uh, you know, I, I was trying to run away from something or I'm searching for something. It was, it was as simple as um, we had just gotten back from Iceland from this race. We had been in Europe the whole summer and I had signed up for this 500K run across Tennessee. And so I'm kind of, you know, we're, I can remember we're sitting, you know, in our home in Houston and, and we're, we're trying to, to just sort of, you know, think through, you know, what, what are we going to do next? You know, we, we had been traveling all, you know, each summer, you know, kind of these long journeys. And I said, well, now that I've signed up for this thing in Tennessee, maybe the year afterwards, which, which was 2021, this was in 2019. I said, you know, maybe instead of going to Europe for the summer, we can, you know, we've never been across the United States. Maybe that would be a good thing to do is to, is to go, you know, use that summer to go across the United States and I could run and you could, you could drive and, and we'll just make an adventure out of it. And she just sort of said, yeah, you know, okay. (laughs) And, (laughs) and, and it just sort of sat on the shelf for, you know, it really sat on the shelf for probably, you know, seven, eight months. We didn't give much more thought to it. And, uh, you know, I think somewhere May or June last year, as I was preparing for this race in Tennessee, you know, despite the COVID and everything else is going on, I said, you know, I don't really know about going across the United States. I don't, you know, I don't know if that's a good idea. And she said, well, why don't you wait? until you do this thing in Tennessee and see how, see how you like it. And if you really like it, then we should do it. So Melissa, and your, she plays a huge role in this journey, right? And so, I mean, what were her thoughts going into it and what role did she end up playing? Yeah. So, you know, I think it's a fitting pod, you know, podcast being sponsored by the Athena organization and, yeah, you know, Athena Alliance, right. Yes. Yeah, Cause so much of, you know, so much of this story is about Melissa, you know, my wife and, and her role and her ability to, uh, to really step up and, and take on much more of a leadership role than, than I think either one of us ex- were expecting. But, you know, I, I think when, when we set off to do this, to some degree, we were really fortunate that we were so naive. And, you know, I, I think we thought it was going to be as simple as get up in the morning go about 30 miles, find a hotel, find an Airbnb, whatever, spend the night, get up and repeat that and repeat it as long as it takes to, uh, to get across the country. But, you know, we kind of knew while we were driving out to, uh, to the West coast that it wasn't going to be that simple. It was going to take, uh, you know, we had a basic map, a basic route, which is across us 60 
you know, <laughs> the first thousand miles of that's essentially in the desert and there aren't a lot of, there, there isn't much infrastructure at, at that point. We're traveling with two small dogs <laughs> that are eight <laughs> months old uh, and not every, not every hotel allows, you know, allows animals, you know, that combined with the fact that I was, I was really trying to do too much early on. And, you know, Melissa really kind of saw that. And I was looking back through the log of the entire event, uh, you know, kind of in preparation for this discussion. And I started March 24th, the week of April 8th, uh, or April 8th is when I wrote about this. She had taken over all of the planning, all of the logistics, basically everything uh, she had taken over. The, 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 the detailed routing and scheduling and, 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 and mapping all of it. And she just, it was amazing. And, you know, she did it. She just did it because she recognized that it was too much for me. I was too overwhelming. You know, I was struggling just to do the miles. So it was really just amazing the way she, she kind of took charge of things and the leadership role she played. So did you ever want to quit? And if so, why? Yeah, I, you know, I think the first, the first three or four weeks, you know, I, I think all I, I thought, you know, the first hour or two of every day would be fine. And then I'd, you know, I'd start kind of crying uncontrollably because I just had so much guilt about, about having, you know, having our family out there on the road in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, with the dogs, because in some cases you had the dogs in a buggy. Is that right? They were with you? Uh, no, 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 you, well, no, they were always with Melissa. I had my stuff in the buggy. Oh, the stuff in the buggy. Okay, Yeah, because right. they were maybe a day or two ahead. But, you know, they were out there and, and uh, you know, and she's trying to take care of them and she's trying to watch out for herself. And, and I'm not always there. And I'm thinking, what in the world do... <laughs> We, what are we all doing out here? And how could I be so <laughs> selfish to, to drag my family out here? And, you know, that went on for, for weeks. I mean, probably at least three weeks. And, wow. you know, the, the other kind of process that, that was going on that I hadn't really thought too much about it until I went back through the, the log of things was it's like every every event that, that I ever had in my life, you, you know, it's almost like you have this, this file drawer full of files. You know, you probably went through this. We probably both went through this when we left, left our, you know, our professional careers, which is, you know, you just have all these folders from all these years. And in my case, they, you know, they're memories of people that, <laughs> that you feel like you, that wronged you or, you know, situations that you didn't handle well or people that you felt like you wronged and and just all these bad I, I just felt like I was clearing these files out of my mind and you while just, you were going yeah this was all going through your head wow yeah it's just and it was the craziest thing because you know I, I didn't really set off to do something like that to have that kind of like emotional purge of of all these you know these these feelings that you have from you know, from your life basically. But, but that's kind of what, what that first three weeks of kind of struggling through this were like. And you get to the point where it's all gone and you're not really, 
like the things that you you kind of harbor or holding on to, you're not really thinking about them because you left them somewhere in the desert, you know, in the Mojave Desert, and and then it just it just stopped. I mean, I I I I don't know when it stopped. It wasn't halfway through, but maybe a quarter of the way through. I I never thought about quitting again. It just it just was something that was there at the beginning, and then it you know, it just, it just never reoccurred. And then all you're thinking about is what are the conditions that need to be created for us to finish this thing? And did Melissa ever want to quit? Uh, (laughs) if she did, she, she never let on that she wanted to quit. In fact, I I was trying my hardest to get her to quit (laughs) (laughs) because I wanted to quit. And at one point, oh, I see. I, yeah. I, and I can remember, I mean, I can remember getting to, I had finally gotten to Phoenix, which, you know, 400 miles in and a desert crossing and swollen feet, and no sleep and blisters and all these things. And I'm just thinking, this is only 400 miles. I got 2,600 more miles of this. And I, and I, we were in our hotel and I said to her, you know, if you decide that, that this is not really something that you want to do and you don't want to be out here, then, uh, you know, we can leave. And, and I, I will do that for you. (laughs) She said, said, no way, buddy, you're not putting this on me. Oh, good for her. You have a really unique perspective on the United States, particularly having done it in 2021 you met a lot of people along the way. So, you know, in looking back, what'd you learn about the United States? I'm really glad that I took the route that I took because the route that I took is primarily, there, there, there were a few big, bigger cities along the way. I mean, you go through Phoenix. I went through Springfield, Missouri. We go through, we went through Bartlesville, Oklahoma, which is a bigger city, Enid, Oklahoma, uh, Lexington, Louisville, Virginia Beach, but and Richmond, but it's primarily a rural route. And you see a lot of, ex- I, I experienced a lot that I wouldn't normally experience in my day-to-day life in terms of interactions with people in that part of the country, farmers, mm-hmm. uh, miners, uh, uh, people that work in in the forest products industry, timber, a lot of truck drivers, and you know, I, I there were a couple of things that just just kind of came to mind, and and I, I you know I could probably go on for days about the things that I think need to be fixed because that's my nature as you know as a as a problem solver. And a consultant, right? And a consultant. I mean, that's what we do. We look for the problems. But I, you know, I'll kind of start off by talking about the, the, the great, you know, the great things that I saw about, the, about the trip and where I was. And what I realized was kindness takes courage. It, it shouldn't have to, but it takes a lot of courage for, for people to come up to a complete stranger and ask them if they're okay. Ask them if they need anything. Uh, ask them if 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 they can buy their lunch. If they can, if they can buy the you know the drink they're getting in the 
in the store. And, and that is what I experienced almost from the beginning. And, you know, I just kind of a, a few of the examples that stood out. And when I first got to Texas, you, you cross the New Mexico-Texas border in a town called uh, Texaco, New Mexico. Texaco, and New Mexico. Texaco, New nice. Mexico is Mexico. the border town. Is the, okay. is, is the border town on Route 60. And then you, you kind of head north toward the Panhandle on Route 60. And one of the first towns you hit is uh, Bovina, Texas. Now, like the name implies, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of ranching and, and, and a lot of cattle processing. Yeah, the next town is Hereford, Texas. So, so you, get, you get the idea. And I stopped in a little restaurant. And when I say little restaurant, I'm talking about like a kitchen and two tables restaurant called Highway, Highway 60 Burgers in Bovina, Texas. And, and I walked in and there's, you know, there's like a, a high school or maybe a college age kid working at the, uh, you know, working at the counter. And I, I just ordered something real simple, you know, hamburger, cheeseburger or something and nothing else. And, and so I started talking to the, the guy, the kid, and, and I said, oh, here's what I'm up to. This is where I'm going. This is where I've been. And, uh, and I walked outside to, to get a drink or something off the top of the buggy. Uh, I was pushing a buggy at the time yep. to carry yep. all my stuff. And I walked back inside and, and they, you know, the, the, the kid hands me the plate of food and, and he said, he said, oh, you know, you, you, you don't, we don't want you to pay. My, my mom wants to buy this for you. Aww. And his mom's in the back, you know, she's the cook. And okay. so, and so she came out and, and we talked and I asked her about her business and how long they had had it. And, um, you know, they started it during, during the pandemic, they had bought this little place and, and, and they were doing okay, but you know, not much business. And I'm thinking, you know, this is, this lady probably sees, you know, she probably gets 10 customers a day maybe. And so, you know, to give, you know, to give something to me, you know, basically to give a meal to me because she wanted me, you know, she wanted me to have it, she, you know. And so that was just, you know, one of the examples, you know, there were another, there are many of them. I mean, the one, others that stand out, you know, I was walking outside of Henderson, Kentucky in a, and a lady drove by in a minivan and she pulled over and she said, can I ask you a question? And I said, yeah. She said, well, you know, where are you walking to? What are you doing? And I, I told her what I was up to. And she said, oh, I knew it. She said, I knew you were doing something like that. And so she rolls down the window in the van and her two young boys are in the back. Okay. And she, and she says, can you tell them what you're doing and, and so, so I'm talking to these, you know, the, the, the youngest yeah. one's in a baby seat still. And, <laughs> and then the, the, but the They're older like, one, is, are you? yeah, the yeah. older one is maybe, you know, he's maybe seven or eight years old. And, and so I tell him and, and I'm showing him on, you know, on my phone, kind of the map and the route where I've been and, and his mom's telling him, you know, do you understand? And, and she said, you know, he's real adventurous and, and maybe, you know, maybe he'll do something like this someday. And, and so that, you know, that, that lady ended up sending out a reporter from the local newspaper to, to come and interview me and, 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 and 
and talk about my story and talk about them. Her name was, her name was Danielle and we've interacted on, on uh text message sent. I, since I, you know, I let her know that I finished and, and no, that everything was okay, but they're just, great. there's just, there's just the stories like that. And it, they happened everywhere. And, and I was just thinking, you know, how much courage it takes to, to be kind like that to, to a complete stranger. I mean, that, that is out in the middle of the of nowhere for no reason. Did you experience any of the divisiveness that, you know, the press reports on about the United States? I, I, I did. You know, I, I, this was another one where I just, I, I walked away from this thing thinking poor doesn't discriminate. I, I saw a lot of poor people on this trip, a, a lot of poor Americans. And they were of all races, genders, sexual orientations, whatever. And, and I just thought to myself, you know, it, it, it just seems to me like, like, they, like we have bigger problems that we ought to be trying to fix collectively. And that is this, you know, how do we address this issue of poor in the country and raise everybody to uh, a level that's acceptable. And, and that, in my mind, it's not about a minimum wage thing. I mean, it, some of these people are still living in towns with that are nearly ghost towns. I mean, they're not even going to exist anymore. And so, you know, the, the industries, you know, whether it was logging or, or mining or, you know, some kind of, of agriculture, you know, as those industries go and the jobs go and the infrastructure, you know, grocery stores, uh, reliable uh, internet, all these things, they just don't exist in these places. And uh, it would be really great to figure out how, how, to, how to change some of that, how to fix some of that, how to improve some of that at scale, as opposed to you know, kind of picking and choosing groups to to focus on and and lift up. I mean, there's a lot of people that that need that need the help. So, what what you learned about yourself in the time that you uh, in doing this walk slash run? There were two things that that I kind of went into it with. One was the goal was never to finish. The goal was always to return home safely. All Safe. of us. Oh, that's right. Yep. That yep. was always the number one goal. Finishing was sort of number number two or number three. And then kind of doing my best was was, you know, the last kind of the last part of that. So I I really was enjoying it. You know, I I, I enjoyed it. And I really started to enjoy it the, the minute I stopped worrying about whether or not I would finish. And, and maybe that's, you know, maybe that's the thing that I, that I learned in all of this. I mean, little this is stream of consciousness is, is, is just this ability to kind of relax and enjoy things and not worry so much about having it all figured out because the reality is, you're never going to have it all figured out. I mean, this was a case study in that. I, you know, I think this notion that you're going to start at the Pacific Ocean and you're going to make your way across the country on foot and end at the Atlantic Ocean. I mean, the probability of ever finishing that is extremely small. So 
you better enjoy it while you're doing it. You probably are used to being in control of everything. Yeah, like, yeah. Like I, I am, right? And I can't imagine letting go for the, you know, every single day. Yeah, necessity is the mother of invention. I, I was, it was, I had no choice, you know? I mean, it goes back to Melissa taking over everything. I mean, I, it was not an option for me to continue to try to do it all. I, I couldn't. And so hopefully, you know, and a mutual friend of ours, Mike Sutcliffe, you know, Mike and I talked about this very point afterwards. And Mike said to me, he said, he said, do you think it changed your relationship? And I said, I think it did. I said, I think, I said, hopefully I, I don't carry this control thing forward. Hopefully that's something I left on the road as well. And the ability to let go and the ability to not try to control everything. And so one of the things I did is I that went. That might be good for my relationship, by the way. <laughs> Just saying. So good. It's good for everybody's. Yeah. But Mike suggested, yeah. he said, hey, listen, why don't you go tell, tell, tell make sure you tell Melissa that. Yeah. And make sure that she holds you accountable for it. Yeah. And That's I did that. Point. And I did it. And she said, uh, I don't know about this. You know, I've tried. We've tried things like this in the past. And I said, well, I, I really, really mean it this time. I want you to hold me accountable if, if, if I'm, I'm being overbearing or overwhelming. or So we'll see how it works. I'm assuming, given the listeners we have for this, many of men and women both, but they have the time, talent, treasure to do what they want sort of in their retirement. And I'm thinking some of them are going to be listening going, oh, well, gosh, that whole extreme event thing sounds really interesting. And, you know, I've talked to you about I'm training for the Wonderland Trail and I just did Patagonia and like I have a little bit of it, not quite as extreme. But, it, you know, what do people need to know if they're going to take it on at the level that you're doing it? I mean, know about themselves, I should say, because I'm sure, you know, there's a training and all that. But what do they need to know about themselves? Yeah, well, I, you know, I, I, I think this is where the, you know, the advice of you can do more than you're, than you ever thought you were capable of comes mm -hmm. in, you know, there, there's so, there's just so much that, that you can accomplish and, and the process of kind of accomplishing it really isn't different than, than probably the process they went through to uh, accomplish the things they've accomplished in their professional careers or with their family. I mean, you know, I think you, I think you have to dream big. I mean, I, I I've always been a, a believer in, in dreaming big. And, and I think you have to, you have to be willing to, to, to be patient and to, to focus on the details and be willing to learn new things. I mean, you know, if, if you would have ever told me that at this point in my life, I would be a, you know, an expert in, in things like weather, <laughs> you know, what's going on with the weather or, the weather. or how to, how to look at weather. Uh, how to, you know, or, uh, you know, exercise physiology or how to maintain uh, your feet in rough. I mean, all these things that you have to develop expertise in to be able to do something like this, I mean, is all about learning. And so I think I think that's the, you know, the thing that people need to understand is you, you can't rely on on everything, you know, up to this point to to then kind of take on these things that are really going to stretch you. I mean, you've got to, you've got to constantly be learning, learning new things, learning things that, 
you don't maybe understand uh, how they relate to the task at hand, but at some point it becomes, you know, it becomes clear. Oh, here's, you know, it's like, I, you know, the, the example I always use is I didn't have any problems with dogs. I probably ran into 500 loose dogs huh. on this, on this trip. Some that of them aggressive, yeah. uh, some not aggressive. And, but the way I dealt with them is, you know, I, in the last year, one of the things I learned was how to deal with dogs because we had these puppies. I haven't had dogs in 35 years. Wow. And okay. so just the things that I learned in dog training, I applied on the road. And, you know, I never had to use any kind of violence to deal with aggressive dogs. I just kind of talked them, <laughs> talked them off the ledge. Uh-huh. And, and, you know, I mean... Who would ever think that, you know, a dog training class, you're going to be able to apply it to a a transcontinental run, but, you know. So what's next for you and Melissa? You know, one of the things that we have talked about is how do we, you know, how do we use this experience to do something uh, to fix some of the problems that we that, that we saw, or maybe teach some of the lessons that we learned. And so, you know, one of the things that, that we, we kicked around before we started was this, this notion of how can we take the lessons in this and write a children's book? So how do we, and basically the idea would be that, you know, our dogs went along with us on this trip, Bert and Honeybee. They had their own Instagram page where we mm-hmm. we posted or Melissa posted about all their adventures across the United States. So, you know, how can we take kind of that sort of uh, lighthearted structure, but then embed it with, you know, some of these messages about kindness, discrimination, poverty, just... Uh, you know, all, all these these different things that we learned and, and saw kind of telling this story to children through the, you know, kind of the voice of these these dogs going across the country. So it, it's just, you know, it's a concept right now we're thinking about, you know, beyond that, we're we're kind of back just getting our our lives back in order. Um, it, it feels like we live very boring lives right now. <laughs> compared to, you know, compared compared to the last three or four months. But, but, but that's, so you know, that's okay. I will, uh, you know, I'll soon kind of ramp back into some, some events I've got planned for the fall. And, uh, you know, she's, uh, she's getting back into her life and, uh, and, you know, we, we enjoy reflecting on the journey. Oh, well, I, I think the book is a great idea. So I thought about calling my podcast, I'm not done yet. And clearly you're not done yet. What aren't you done with yet? We're in our 50s at this point. My, mm-hmm. my hope is that at some point in our 80s and 90s, when we've, when we've kind of, uh, you know, ended our, use, our useful days on, uh, you know, on, on Earth, that they're looking for volunteers to go colonize someplace like Mars and we can get into a spaceship and, <laughs> and get shot in the space and, and see what happens. I mean, that you might want to talk to Melissa about that. Yeah. yeah. But that is the, <laughs> that's the, you know, that's the, you and Elon Musk, he wants to die on Mars. Yeah. Well, I, you know, you can I, go with him. <laughs> I, I think this would be a little bit more 
science involved. I don't know. Yeah. But I mean, that's yeah. sort of that. I would think that doing something like that. Now, I, I, I did read somewhere there are uh, there's actually two game shows now that are that are like survivor type game shows that the winner of these things gets to go to the space station. Well, that'd be cool. That would be cool. That'd be really cool. Will you come back to be a guest on the podcast if you end up going to the space station? Yeah, I if you uh, if if this podcast is still <laughs> oh, going yeah, by the- <laughs> in, yeah, in thirty years, then uh, uh, I will definitely come back. Or yeah. if I ever get well, back. Uh, Jerry, it's been delightful talking to you. Thank you so much. What an adventure, and I'm sure you will inspire many people. Uh, to maybe at least start lifting weights or go for a run or something. So thanks very much. Where can people find you online? So uh, if if people want to go back and read, I, I think there's probably, oh, four to six hours of video, bunch of pictures, whatever. They can just go on Facebook and look for Jerry L. Palmer U.S. Crossing. There's a whole, there's a whole page. Yeah. And we'll post that on our show notes. Okay, great. All right, Jerry. Yeah. Thanks very much. Take care. Okay, Liz. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining me today to listen to the Third Act Podcast. You can find show notes, guest bios, and more at thirdactpodcast.com. If you enjoyed our show today, please subscribe and write a review on your favorite podcast platform. I'm your host, Liz Tinkham. I'll be back next week with another guest who's found new meaning and fulfillment in the third act of their life.